So uh, tonight we're really lucky to have Nikki and Pippa Gumble with us. And uh, for those of you who don't know Nikki and Pippa, they uh, were the pioneers of the Alpha Course. We've been talking a little bit about, and uh, they'll say a little bit about that. But they were also uh, Nikki was the vicar of a church in London called Holy Trinity Brompton, uh, which has since planted a number of churches. And we are one of those churches. So we came from HTB uh, five years ago, and uh, Nikki and Pippa have been great uh, supporters, champions, uh, prayerfully helping us and cheering us on. And it's amazing that they've come down uh, to Bristol for today. They've been with us all day this morning. We had a leader's lunch. We've then been off to Concord uh, Church, our church plant, uh, for an Alpha session. And now they're back again. So it's a long day, but we're so grateful that you're here. Please, you welcome Nikki and Pippa Gumbel. Wow. Is this working? Wow. This is amazing. And when you watch that video of what's happened in five years... And you look out at the service this morning and the service here tonight. It is absolutely amazing what you've all achieved under the leadership of Toby and Jill Flint. Okay, before we go any further, I, I, we need to, it's been really fun today, but I'm, we're, we're, I'm, there's so many questions that we probably would want to ask, and we've got a limited time, but I would love to take us all the way back to the beginning of Nikki and Pippa Gumbel. When you first met, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about that story, but also um, I think neither of you probably would have described yourselves as Christians um, uh, at that stage in your life. So, um, Pippa, do you want to start? Just take us back to what upbringing was like and, the, and then meeting Nikki and, and your faith journey as well. I grew... Does this work? Is that okay? Um, I grew up in a sort of nominal Christian family. Uh, we went to church from time to time, definitely Christmas and Easter, but it wasn't something we talked about. We didn't talk about faith. We didn't have Bibles around and pray. Or it, but I'm sure we had the principles, the sort of Christian principles. But anyway, sort of happily went on my way, went to London, started going to the party scene, but with not a thought really of God or church. And one day I wanted to get into a nightclub that we all went to. We were, I mean, I was 18 and I needed, I needed a member to get me in. And someone gave me Nicky's number because he was a member of this ridiculous place we used to go to. Top of the, before Kings, we were Christians. The top of the... Dad. Top of the King's Road in a basement. It was. What, what was it called? Francoise. Francoise, okay. Dark and dingy and rather smelly. <laughs> anyway, I rang him up and said, I want to get into this nightclub. I had a friend with me. Could you get me in? He said, yeah, sure. And that's how we met. Anyway, we became friends. Then Nicky went off to Cambridge and I didn't see him for a bit. But he, that I didn't, little did I know that there was a mission at Cambridge and that he had become a Christian. I saw him again at a party. He came up to me and he told me, he was now rather a zealous Christian, but I didn't know that. He came up to me and told me I looked awful and that I needed Jesus. So <laughs> I thought he'd gone crazy and I decided to keep very far away from him. And luckily I met some other people who had had all these young people who'd become Christians who were all new to faith, who were gathering in something called the kitchen. It was a, a, it was a sort of restaurant, really, 
that they would gather together. They cooked food. They welcomed people in. And I started hanging out with them. I had no idea they were Christians. I just thought they were rather a cool lot of people. But actually, there was something different about them. From the sort of party scene to these people, they had depth. They, were, they showed real love. They had purpose in their lives. And I was intrigued. And then as I spent more time with them, somebody explained to me that they were Christians and got out a Bible turned one day to John 10, verse 10, that, with that verse that says, I came that you might have life and life to all its fullness. And it was as if a light just went on for me at that moment. And I thought, that's, that's the life I want. I have a life and it's fine, but I want this eternal life, this amazing life. And the rest is history. Then we got friendly again after that. <laughs> I became her advisor about all her boyfriends. <laughs> and Nikki, tell us about, so your background again was not a Christian background? Yeah, I, was, I didn't come from a Christian background either. My father was a refugee here, and um, he had fled from the Nazis. He's Jewish, and um, my mother was not, not a church girl, so I, I had a not a Christian upbringing. And as a teenager, I became an atheist, quite an argumentative atheist. And um, then in my first year at university, I uh, read the New Testament. And as I was reading the New Testament, it was as if the person I was reading about emerged from the pages that I was reading. And I encountered Jesus. And that was a life-changing moment. It, Jesus said, as Pips, that, that verse, um, John chapter 10, 10, verse 10, I came that you might have life and life in all its fullness. And that's what I found. And uh, it was the most exciting, life-changing, almost 50 years ago now, uh, but it was a life-changing moment. And immediately I had a desire to communicate that to other people. I mean, if you find water in a desert... It would be selfish not to tell people. And it seemed to me like, why would anyone not want to experience this? Like, yesterday I was an atheist. Today I found Jesus. Come on, guys. That's why I told Pips she needed Jesus. I thought it was the kindest thing to do to tell her she needed Jesus. Give her a few of the booklets I was carrying in my dinner jacket pockets about how to become a Christian. And, and that was it. My attempt at um, evangelism that didn't slightly backfire. Um, so, and then wonderfully, as you said, you became an advisor on, on boyfriends, but it, it didn't stay yeah. there. So just tell us a little bit about how you finally got together. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the evening service. We want to know details. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do we say? Trinity Mabel? <laughs> um, I think... I think it was amazing, really, because um, Nikki was a good friend, and we going. I was certainly going on a spiritual journey. He seemed to be a bit further along in this journey, so I would go to for him for sort of for spiritual counselling, and he very he was very helpful. And, and anyway, eventually um, we decided there was a little bit more in it than just friendship, and we've now been married forty six years. Is that right? Almost. 45 years. And we have three children and 10 grandchildren. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. That's okay. That's that's really helpful. Um, so, just in terms of your 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 work, so you've been married for that time, uh, a long time at Holy Trinity Brompton. So, Nikki, you were the vicar there uh, for thirty six years. Is that right? Um, and you were there before that, obviously. So, just tell us a little bit about um, uh, stepping in, because Nikki, you were a barrister. Yeah. You used to be a lawyer. What? What made that, how did that journey go from barrister to vicar? I mean, how, why did you make the decision? How did, that, how did that come about? Well, I loved being a barrister. It's a great job. Uh, and I w- would have loved to do it for the rest, rest of my life, really. But I felt um, this whole thing about, if you find this, like, treasure... It's so amazing. It just felt to me the most loving thing that you could do for anyone is to tell them the good news. Everybody, it seems to me everybody's looking for three things. Everybody, we've we've done conferences now in, I don't know, maybe a hundred different countries probably. Um, We've traveled so much. But everywhere you go, everybody's looking for these three things. The first thing is love. Everybody wants to be loved. And the greatest experience you can have of being loved is to experience God's love. And the Apostle Paul said, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. That's how you know that you're loved by God. You look at the cross and that, what, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that if you had been the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you. That's how much God loves you. And then that's sort of knowledge here. But then you experience God's love through the Holy Spirit. And again, Paul writes, the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And that's why you know, we hear these wonderful stories from Alpha, what happened on the Alpha weekend, when people experience God's love for them. So everybody's looking for love. Everybody's looking for purpose. You know, you can find purpose in life through so many different things. But ultimately, you'll only find purpose through a relationship with God through Jesus, because otherwise there's no ultimate purpose. It's kind of a very short-term purpose in life. And then everyone's looking to belong. Everyone wants community, connection. And again, that's what you heard about in the stories. And of course, we can have family, we can have friends. But what I found was there was something different about the Christian family. Look at this. This is a group. You're, you are brothers and sisters in Christ. You, there's a love for one another that is deeper. We found this on Alpha. You, you, you get to it. So we're on, we've done a few Alpha courses. Um, uh, we've, we've actually, this is our, the one that we're on is actually our 100th Alpha small group in a row. So, so but, we, but notice in every course, 
what happens at the end. And Toby led several of the, I don't know how many, 10 or 15 we did with Toby. Um, but he threw, threw us out. Until he, he threw us out. Until he said we're a bit old and we needed to go away. So, um, uh, but no, he was brilliant. But, but um, every course at the end, the group says something along these lines. We have so many friends, but we've never felt like after 10 weeks, the connection in this group, we feel like we've known you forever, that there's a deeper relationship than we've ever experienced. And this is a, thought, this is a taste of the church. The church is the greatest organization. It's, oh, it's more than an organization. It, it, it's, it's a family. It's, it's the most amazing community to be part of. So this is amazing news. And I love being a barrister, but in my spare time, I would be trying to communicate this to other people. And then I thought, what an amazing privilege if, if God called me to be able to do this full time. And it's been such a privilege since 1983, really. I left the bar in 1983, I was ordained in 1986 for the last, really, 40 years to be able to spend all of our time telling people the good news. Jesus is alive. You can have a relationship with him. You can experience forgiveness, peace, joy. Uh, you, you, can, you can find a purpose in your life. You can experience God's love for you. You can experience healing. This is just such wonderful news that the, the, the creator of this universe has come to this planet in the person of his son to show us what life is all about. And that this is what makes all the difference. It's what turns our, our, our life from, from black and white to technicolor, from whatever it is to HD. I don't know how you describe it, but it's, this, is, this is the greatest experience you can ever have in your life. And it's free. And to be able to tell that to people and spend all your life doing that, that is the greatest. I've got the best job in the world. You can't, if anyone wants the, the best job in the world, uh, I can tell you, just get ordained in the Church of England. And, Amen. And, and you can be like Toby. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to hear your, your passion uh, all these years on. In, and that's, that's a passion for people to know Jesus and that's carried on throughout your life, your ministry. Now, uh, throughout um, HTB, uh, well, tell us, tell us a little bit about um, church planting, because um, there wasn't such a thing as church planting, particularly in, in the Church of England, um, where, you know, when you started HTB. But tell us a little bit about that journey, and why, because we are a plant from HTB. We have, we're very lucky to have, um, a year ago, uh, we planted Concord Church up in, in Filton. Uh, Abby and Noah were there on the front row. Uh, and, and it's been so exciting, this, this sort of adventure of, of planting yeah. churches. But just take us back to um, before there was church planting. What, how did that come about? And then what have, you, what have you seen since then in terms of church plants, Pitts? I think uh, Alpha was beginning to spread all over, over the country as well as the world as well. And then people started to feed back. They were saying they couldn't find a church to go to after they'd done Alpha. And of course, there's some great churches and there are lots of independent churches that are brilliant. But we realized that a lot of the churches were really struggling around the country. And we were seeing people coming into the church who were 
obviously had an anointing on them to lead churches like Toby and other people like that. And so the idea was to start planting churches. And at first we thought we'd just do London. We weren't really planning on doing anything else, just plant some of the churches around London and try and see the change around there. And then uh, someone sent us an advert from a, of a church being sold in Brighton. And they said they were going to sell the, the, the big church right in the centre of Brighton because it was falling down and they couldn't, uh, they couldn't sell it. They couldn't do anything with it. I think they were trying to sell it, but you couldn't change it for what it was. It was just going to be closed. And um, we decided to... We didn't really think about it. We were sort of, oh, no, 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 no we don't do London. And then suddenly going down, he went down with two other people, including Archie Coates, who was the associate vicar at the time. They went down and saw it and decided that we should stop it being closed because it was right in the centre of Brighton and everybody walks past that church. And uh, as somebody said that... An empty church is like the forgotten... The empty palace. The empty palace. Uh, like an empty church is like an empty palace of a long-forgotten king. And when people walk past it, they say the king is dead. And we don't want anyone to say that Jesus is dead. He's alive. And so we decided we'd go for this, to, to take this, this church. The vicar wanted the, the vicar who was there wanted it closed. The church wardens wanted it closed. Thankfully, there were some people in the community who didn't want it closed, and we were able to buy it for a pound. So we actually owned St Peter's Brighton, and um, we were and Archie. We were horrified. Archie said he felt called to Brighton. We was what are you doing there? You know, he was working in London, but he's how after the visit he said he felt called to Brighton, and he went down with I don't know twenty thirty people, and. The church has been revived. I mean, it's amazing. The church is still going strong. It's planted other churches. Our son went there as his curate, uh, and it's gone from strength to strength. And that was the first outside London. And once we'd seen that, we thought, right, you can do it right across the country. And then slowly and slowly. And it's, it's a, you know, you can either revitalize an old church, which is what, but this one was actually shut for, what, 75 years. I mean, this church was shut. And you look at it now, it's beautiful. I love the lighting and everything. It's just such a you know, great venue. And this was dead. I walked past Castle Park or whatever it is, where that church is, is just a ruin. And it's so sad because at one stage, people must have flocked there. And you, can, you contrast that with this and you see the life and the people and the changed lives. You think that's what it's all about. And we have now got enough favour around the country to be able to plant with a lot of bishops. And we have planted all over the place in Gateshead and in Plymouth and in Andover and in Birmingham and in Nottingham and I don't know where else. All So lot, 100... It's 150 churches now have been planted. And God seems to be blessing them. It is extraordinary that they've gone out from there. We've got a separate church planting trust now that's trying to help. Because when you, when you go to a church, it's quite hard if you just go just like Toby and Jill on their own. You, if you go as a team, there is a strength in that. And so we, you know, you, we try and send them with a bit of funding, with a, a team, so that you can go. And if you've got a team, then I mean, you just, it makes all the difference. You can actually build something rather than Toby running around trying to get computers, build the desks, 
That do would, the, be, that would can, be a nightmare for everyone. You can lead the worship as well, though. You're a very good worship leader. Yes. Who knows Toby's yes. the worship leader? Get the guitar out. And, of course, he's a film star, too, on the Alpha yes. Film Series. <laughs> right, we should move on. We should move on. Um... Uh, so, I mean, that, it's really interesting in terms of the church planting stuff. But this, this was all while you were at HCB. Um, and just to sort of move us on. So a year ago, uh, you left HCB. Uh, tell us, um, again, partly you know, what prompted that. And then, and then what are you doing? What's, what's now? What's happening now? What's the vision? So... The 17th of April, 2033, I'm sure is in all your diaries. If not, get out your 2033 diary. 17th of April, I'm sure you all know what that is. 17th of April is Easter Day, 2033, the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus. And wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, Jesus has given us... 2,000 years. He, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And we've had 2,000 years. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could get the good news of Jesus to everyone on the planet by the 17th of April, 2033? So that's what we felt called to. Pips and I felt called to, uh, to spend the next 10 years doing everything we can to contribute to that. Of course, it involves many, many people. First of all, it involves the Bible translators. All the Bible translators have got together and said, let's get the New Testament into 99.96% of the languages in the world. And every language will have 25 chapters of the New Testament by the 17th of April, 2033. Rick Warren is working on a Bible, a believer, body of Christ in every community by 2033. We were in Rome meeting with 70 different Catholic communities, all of whom have a vision for 2033. So this is, this is not something that anyone does on their own, but it's something that everybody can be involved in. And our part is to make Alpha available to everyone on the planet by 2033. So that's what we're doing. Where uh, it means, you know, how about everybody in Bristol having the opportunity to do Alpha by the 17th of April, 2033? How could that happen? We were meeting together with churches across Bristol today, and just think, so much is happening in this city, and if all the churches get together with a vision that every person in Bristol could have the opportunity to hear about Jesus by 17th of April 2033. Every city, every town, every nation does that. Then hopefully everyone on the planet would have had an opportunity to hear about Jesus by 2033. So that's what we're focused on for the next 10 years. Uh, every moment of our day and night is focused on doing that. So we're visiting the church plants. We're in conferences. We're in, we're in Cairo next week uh, meeting with, with um, other uh, primates from the Church of England, the leaders of the different parts of the Church of England, and we're in, um, I don't know, we've been in Malaysia, Singapore, we're in, um, we're in France, Germany, um, Kenya, South Africa, Rio, America, everywhere uh, over the next few months, um, and, and then going around the country visiting churches like this, and seeing all the amazing things that God is doing all around the world.
So that's what we're focused on. Amazing. So exciting. <laughs> and it's very easy. I don't know how people feel here, but it's very easy to become very uh, UK-centric in terms of the church, our news, our news feeds, everything that's coming in. In terms of the media coverage of, of the church, uh, it's not always good. Um, but what do you see in terms of the church in this country? What hope do you see? But also, what do you see around the world that gives you hope? I mean, it's an amazing vision. And um, I mean, already I'm thinking, wow, okay, 2033, Bristol, what are we going to do? But as you look around the world, as you travel, all that sort of stuff, what are the things that give you hope? The, I mean, the wonderful thing is that God is at work everywhere. And I think that's what's so exciting. Yes, up and down the countries, there's all sorts of pockets of life beacons of, of light shining all through the UK but but also traveling we've got a church plant in Asia and in there they've been out there they felt called to go out there and one of the bishops wonderfully invited them and in um, uh, Kuala Lumpur that which is mostly um, are you from Kuala Lumpur ah do you know HTBB yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And um, HTBB is doing so well. I mean, it's absolutely wonderful that they started there. And I think in the... How many years have they been out there? So I suppose it, it, mostly it's Chinese and, of course, Malay. It'll be 10 but years it, next year. It's 10 years next year. I think they've baptised 600 people in the last near 10 years, which is amazing, really, when you think of it. And, uh, they, and they've planted as well. It's great to have you here. We love Malaysia and the food. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and yes. it's also a hub for Alpha. So that they... For Asia Pacific. For, sorry, for Asia Pacific. So they regularly get together with Indonesia, uh, Philippines, um, India, I mean, all across that area. And... And there's no doubt about it. There's extraordinary things happening. I think I told the rather random story this morning about one of the archdeacon. I know what was he? It was the dean of the cathedral, who said that they'd gone on a mission trip to one of these remote villages because they wanted to take the good news of Jesus to this remote village, and they had to camp out because there was nothing. There was, you know, there was no sort of hotel on the way, and so they were literally sleeping by the side of the road to get to this place. And when they got there, there was a village of a hundred people. And all the villagers had had the same dream of a, a man coming in, dressed in white and offering bread. And when they came there, they came and they, they were sort of asking, who is this man? Who is the man that's, that's coming to us? And they were able to explain that it was Jesus. And the whole village became Christians, and they baptized the whole village of 100 people, which is extraordinary. And he's the archdeacon of the cathedral. I mean, they're not sort of wild Pentecostals. Mm -hmm. They're just sort of quite normal, you know, robes and her. And <laughs> sort of, they don't make, I don't think they make up stories. It, you know, it's just, and so it was just wonderful to hear extraordinary things of people who, who God is actually speaking to but without anyone even going to them as well as the rest of 
us and you called to go to the world and tell the good, good news. Mm. Yeah. And the, and the church is moving east and south. So the center of gravity is moving to China. I mean, China may be quite soon the largest Christian country in the world. Uh, there's somewhere between, China experts reckon there's somewhere between 100 and 300 million Christians in China already. Um, it's, uh, and the greatest hunger that we've seen for Jesus is in the prisons and in China for totally different reasons. But in the prisons, people are so open. Um, and Alpha is running in, has run in most of the prisons in the UK over the years. It's now running in about 80 countries around the world in the prison. In some countries, it's in every prison. But it, there's a huge hunger for Jesus and a huge openness. Uh, going into the prisons made me realize why Jesus loved to spend his time with the tax collectors and sinners because they're so open to Jesus. The Pharisees, the sort of respectable people, oh, no, we don't want all of this. But the moment he was spent, went to the tax collectors and the sinners, they were so open. They, they were like, oh, Lord, help. And I think people in prison are like that. And China is like it for a totally different reason. They've had, they've had this, this sort of void of atheism over so many years. And uh, what we discovered in China is people become Christians on week one or two. Uh, you know, we've run out for, as I say, a hundred times, but, but um, it's people, some, not everyone even becomes a Christian on Alpha. But if they do, it's usually at the weekend or later. But in China, it's like straight away. They're so receptive. And we've just done a Chinese film series. So it's totally Chinese. Uh, all the presenters are Chinese. All the testimonies are Chinese. All the experts, it's produced in mainland China, filmed in, um, by Chinese. So there's no Western influence at all. The only common thing is that the presenter has a blue jumper, like the one I have on uh, the, the, the film series. But apart from that, apart from that, there's nothing to link it. Uh, the theology is the same. The story, you know, the, the alpha is the same, but it's, it's totally Chinese and it's going viral. There are 200 million Chinese outside of China. And we're hearing stories. Every country we visit, they talk about what's happening with the Chinese in that country. So something amazing is happening in China. Africa is absolutely... Um, you know, the, what's happened in Africa in the last 100 years, from, I think, 4 million Christians at the start of the century to 360 million Christians at the end of the century, and now it's, it's still accelerating. We were with a, with a, um, uh, a bishop from Uganda where there are 12 million Anglicans. You know, in this country, there are less than a million now attending church in the Anglican church, but they have 12 million. And I think he has 6,000 in his area. And it's their churches, and they're just growing. Um, out of, they're planting churches at the rate of so fast. Um, so uh, what's happening in Latin America, absolutely phenomenal. And even uh, in England... <laughs> things are happening at St. Nick's Bristol. <laughs> um, so it's, it's happening in church, as churches, of course, in the Pentecostal churches, independent churches, but even in the Church of England, there are, there's a remnant, there's a hope um, here. And in, you know, we visited so many of these church plants and all of them are thriving. And it's a really exciting thing to go around the uh, 
the country. I always put out on Instagram, you know, every time that I go to one of these churches, because one of the church plants, um, uh, because people are so encouraged to see what's happening here. Um, they're so encouraged to see what's happening in Birmingham, and now Man we just planted into Manchester and Liverpool and Preston and all these and Norwich and Plymouth and um, yeah, and right across London as well, St Church and um, Hammersmith and Battersea, and it's just it's amazing to see every one of them, and it's it's predominantly young people, and that's so interesting that there's such a hunger among young people. And I see that in the, you know, I, I swim in the Serpentine. Um, every, the Serpentine is a lake in London, if you don't know, in the middle of Hyde Park. Um, and it's, people say it's very dirty just because there's a lot of duck poo. There is a lot of duck poo. But, but it's actually clean because the water comes in at the Italian fountains and it flows out over the tube line um, underground into the, into the Thames. So it looks dirty, but actually it's clean. And that, to me, is a picture of church planting, because what churches need, like this church has, is water coming in. You've got so many people coming in through Alpha. So exciting to hear the stories. People encountering Jesus, coming in through the front door of this church, encountering Jesus. And then you need the back door, church planting. Going to Concord Church. Um, you know, how exciting to see that. All the people, um, and that's just, just beginning, like maybe 50 to 80 people there now, but think how many more they're going to be. They're building all round on that, uh, the old airport. They're building a stadium for 18,000 people, and that may be the venue for Concord Church in years to come. Uh, you know, what, what could happen there? So, you need, and, but this is what everybody needs in their own life. Water coming in and water going out. That's a healthy life. And that means being filled with the Spirit. You need the water coming in. Jesus said, come to me, all you are thirsty, and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's the healthy, clean water of life, the Holy Spirit. Water coming in, and then water going out. And water going out means that you are on a mission. You will receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Which means it's not just for us. We don't just go on being filled with the Spirit. If you just go on being filled with the Spirit, filled and filled and filled, you become like the Dead Sea. You become very salty but dead. Because no water's going out. Water's coming in all the time to the Dead Sea, but nothing's going out. But if you've got water coming in, you're being filled with the Spirit and you're going out on mission. Now that could be the, the homeless project or going into the prisons or run, helping to run Alpha or inviting your friends or whatever it is, serving the poor. But you're out there. It, the water's coming in and the water's going out. That's the healthy life. I think that's a really good um, note for us to pray. It'd be great to pray for the Holy Spirit. And uh, I wonder if you'd, you'd pray for us and uh, for all of us here. It'd be amazing to do that. Um, before you pray for us, um, can we thank Nikki and Pippa? Yeah.